to you today. Um, how many of you travel quite a bit when you were in your younger years? Did you take your kids and go travel a lot, or did you? How did you like to travel? Did you take cruises, or did you fly, or or uh, what are the things that you like to do when you traveled? Did anybody go camping? Yeah. You went camping, okay. And I imagine if you lived up by Mount Rainier, you did a lot of camping. So yeah, I can imagine that. Um, so yeah, we liked it. We there was a time when we really enjoyed um, travel. So on behalf of Camelback Church of Christ, let me say welcome to everybody. And we're going to talk today about following a map. That's what our aim is today, because we're looking at the map in Scripture. So when we talk in Scripture about what a map is, what we're looking for is a is a pattern and a way of direction, a way of 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 knowing how we're going, of knowing how we're going. In the Bible, we have this uh, verse. This comes from Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Bible says this. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing. That means that you have to listen to something to be taught. And hearing, what are we taught? What do we listen to? We're hearing through the word of Christ. And so this is how a person has faith. When we're looking for the map to be able to know whether or not we're right with Jesus, we have to understand how we have faith in him. And there is a pathway that I'll talk about as we go through. In your bulletin, there is a little bit of a worksheet there that we can work in. And when we talk about um, traveling sometimes, we're talking about traveling by, by map. Uh, remember how Looney Tunes used to travel by map or Indiana Jones? And they, you would look at the map, and they would just make those big leaps. Well, uh, for us in the real world, if we're going to travel by a map, it's a little bit slower process because we have to look at the map, right? Find out our directions. We know where point A is, and then we know where point B is. And we look for point A and point B, and we find out how to get there by looking at the different roads and where do we turn and when do we need to stop, you know, and how far do we go before we run out of gas so we need to find a gas station. And all those good things, all those good things. We love to travel by map. So let me try an exercise real quick before we get too far into the lesson. Um, which, do you all know which way north is? <laughs> okay, how many of you say this way is north? I don't know. Me Okay. Um, from what you, you've traveled, yeah, there you go. So you've traveled outside quite a bit. Yeah, north is going to be towards Camelback Mountain, towards um, Pastua and all that. Um, south is, well, let's see, from here. Yeah, so there's north, there's um, west, this is east back towards the building, or to Camelback Church of Christ, and of course that's going to be your south-facing way. So yeah, you were pretty close, you're that direction. Um, now when we think about a map and we think about the Bible, we need to think about that Jesus is the way, because he said, if you're going to find me, or you're going to find salvation for your soul, you have to follow me. Because why? If you're going to look at the map in Scripture, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we want to get back to God, we have to go through Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We look at the map in Scripture. So in our map, Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way, according to Scripture. 
I know that there's a popular notion that uh, that says that, that many roads lead to the same place. Well, Jesus didn't say that. And if we're going to follow what the Bible teaches, he says, I am the way. So that means there's only one way. And so when we think about Scripture and we study that, Jesus is the, the way. He's the map. Um, I'll give you a good example. Um, last week after we left here, we went to a rehab center. And there's a lady, a lady from church who is having some um, recovery from some surgery. And she's going to be there for a while. And we went there and we sang with her. Well, while we were there, um, we, uh, uh, we wanted to uh, spend some time with her. But to get there, uh, I kind of missed a turn. <laughs> and and I, when I missed the turn, I had to go around this long, circuitous route to try to figure out how to get back. Because there's only one road and only one turn that leads back to that, wet, that place. And so it took me a while to figure out how to get back there. But uh, this is how what Scripture talks. If you want to get to God, you've got to go through Jesus. Um, there's not really many different roads. There's one road, and that's the road that Jesus helps us to find. Um, I'll tell you this in Scripture. You can see it up here on the wall. That This is what Peter said. He said in Acts chapter 4, 12, there's no other name under heaven that's given by which men must be saved. So, G- so Peter said it, and this is what Jesus would have taught him. You know in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, you see this here, for I determined to know nothing except among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Certainly there's more to that story, but if we miss this, it's just like if I missed that turn. There's not a real way to get back to it so that you're able to get to your location that you're aiming for. And, and you know, one of the things that's interesting about Scripture, you notice this here, Paul said that he would know nothing except Christ and Him crucified because he wanted to have the starting point, the common starting point, for the communication that he would have with the church in Corinth. Um, notice, um, he'll say this in the next chapter, in chapter 3, that there is no other foundation that any man can lay than that which is Christ Jesus. Let's say, so we know that Jesus is the foundation. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I'm going to build, um, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon the rock. He is the rock. This is Christ. Peter was just the mouthpiece speaking, and he gave that first sermon, and 3,000 people were baptized that day, and the church is established fully at that point. But it is all based on that foundation that Peter stood on, which was Christ, that, what, that foundation that Paul stood on, which was Christ. So when we want to find our direction, we have to know where to stand and where to look so we know where we can go. And so it begs a question, and so I'm going to take a little detour for three Reasons Inside your bulletin, there is an actual place you can take notes so you know what the questions are in the bottom there. Um, but I'll show you the questions up here because the main, the, main, um, uh, the main thing that I would ask, why would a person want to be saved? Why would a person want to be baptized? Now, there are many reasons we could talk about, but I have three reasons that I think are very compelling. And I want to talk about those three reasons before, just as when we go on a trip, we have to plan and prepare. We pack our luggage, we pack our cooler, we you know, make sure the car is gassed up and the oil is high and the, air is tire, you know, the tires are aired up. We, we have to ask this question, why? Well, why would this be important? Well, I'm going to show you three reasons that I think are very compelling reasons. But I think are very important reasons to think about why would a person want to be saved? Well, I think, I think reason number one 
is that man needs to have faith in God because of sin. Sin is disobeying what God told us to do. It started with with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 when Eve took that fruit and bit it and gave it to her husband and he bit it and they both sinned. They disobeyed what God had said for them to do. The terrible thing about sin, as Isaiah 59 says, that it separates us from God. It says in Isaiah 59 too that your sins have separated you as far as the east is from the west. And of course that means it's you're, you're apart. You need to do something to get back together. Um, so you notice this. The evil one that's behind all of this is Satan who is tempting people to try to bring them to a choice where they will sin. And so sin is the problem. Now, it, there is no sin that God will not forgive except unbelief, right? Somebody just says, I don't believe this. I don't want to have anything to do with it. There's, there's nothing, there's no background that in someone's past that God will not forgive if they will repent of those sins. And so there's so much good that God is offering that when we recognize the problem of sin and all that shame and all that embarrassment uh, that comes from that, we know that that can be cleared off the plate because God can solve that. I think that's a very compelling reason. I think another reason is that man needs to have faith in God to have fellowship with him and with our brethren. Now, when I say the word fellowship, I'm not talking about just a plain old friendship. Many of us have acquaintanceships or friendships that we enjoy, and that's good. But I'm talking about if we're going to call somebody family, if you're going to be part of the church family, part of the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out, you're part of the, part of the saved, then you have to obey what Jesus commanded so that you can know that you'll be right with God by putting your faith in Him so that you can have fellowship with Him. And, of course, if you do that with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So um, think about this. Uh, if I say that I want to have a family and I start a family but I never spend any time with them, would you kind of wonder about whether or not I was committed to the family? Of course you would, and that would be a fair statement. So when Jesus says, there's some things that I, I ask you to do that he commands that we do, um, to be part of that family, then we need to go to Jesus, do what he says, and then spend time with the brothers and sisters to grow and mature in that. I think it's a very powerful reason. Nobody wants to be left out in the cold. We don't want to be the last person chosen for dodgeball, right? So if we want to be included in the club, we've got to figure out what, what is asked us for, of us to do so that we can know that we're right with him. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, um, I want you to notice the passion in John's voice, the passion and the excitement that John had. Because there's something about this that, that really is compelling. Remember, this is what John said, that we have seen that which we have heard, that which our eyes have seen and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you. So the message that was given from John is something that he personally witnessed. And his you can see deep down inside, you know, if you're the first person to go see the Grand Canyon, I've taken several people to the Grand Canyon, and they stand there for the first time, and they look out at Mather Point, or they go over to Hopi Point, and they look out at that. What You know what they do? You, you probably know it, because you have done that before. When you were at the Grand Canyon, you just went, wow! And just, you're overwhelmed by the amazingness of that. I think John, who was the disciple whom Jesus loved, he was his closest uh, companion there for his time on the earth, now, he is like, listen, this is something we've seen. We have been there. I'm giving you the eyewitness account. This is real. 
And so when you hear it from John, you're hearing that passion behind him saying, this stuff that we have, if you want to have fellowship with him, you want to have fellowship. Look, we've seen it ourselves. Just as when we would go back after a trip up to the Grand Canyon and we go, wow, you won't believe how awesome this is. And if you've ever taken a picture of the Grand Canyon, it doesn't do justice, does it? Because yeah. you just have that little picture for something that's so massive that God made. And I think the third reason that is so compelling, why do we need salvation? I think it's because we need to have faith in God because we need salvation now. Don't wait until it's too late. The decision's made after a person leaves this earth. Don't wait. Jeremiah 10.23 says that we don't know how to direct our own steps. Think about this. In modern times, we use a modern GPS, right, to help us find our way around. If we cannot barely find our way around without a modern GPS, imagine what our life would be like if we didn't to try to reach God if we didn't have the Bible. If we didn't know what God had written down for us to know what he has to show us that pathway. And I'm so thankful that we have his word. Remember, um, think about this. When we live our life in Romans 12, 2, it says that we, you know, we, we, we renew our minds. So we tend to idealize, we tend to model what we idealize. So if we're reading the Bible and we're following what it says, it's going to become our ideals that we end up practicing out here. Now, Jeremiah says we don't know how to direct our steps without help. And God says, I'm going to help that. We should look into the Word to find out what He asks us to walk, the path we ask, asks us to walk on, so that we're able to know wh what our direction is, where we're headed. And so, look in the Scripture, and I want to show you some context here in Romans chapter ten. You can see this up on the wall. We'll start here in verse fourteen, because it says, "How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in Him?" That him is going to be Jesus, whom they have not heard. And how will they hear without a preacher? That's what I do. How will they preach unless they are sent? Somebody has to go teach. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Can you imagine John's passion? Can you imagine the passion of someone who really truly is convicted deep down in their heart that this is real and that this is true? Think of that message being delivered out. And notice what else he says here. However, they did not all heed the good news. They didn't all listen to the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Well, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of Christ. We have to listen to the message. Study that message and think about it, so that we might believe in it. To put your faith in God, usually it requires someone to teach you what faith is. Faith is what? Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's believing. It's, it's the assurance of things hoped for, right? And the things that are unseen. It's being certain of those things that are unseen. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because the person that comes to God must believe that He exists and that He'll reward you if you seek Him. So there's something about getting onto our map and following that map where God says, I will honor that. I will bless that. So we, have, we listen to that message, and we put our faith in God and in Christ. So think about this. When we talk about the word faith, we talk about this um, in, in a poetic sense. Faith believes in the invisible and the incredible. Faith believes in that which is, which is um, uh, you know, something that's impossible to do without. It's indispensable. Um, 
that to have faith, you know, we have to believe that that life can be better. We have to hope that there's something better, right, than this life. Otherwise, why would we want to live in this life? Because there has to be something beyond this. Um, when we put our faith in God and we trust in Him and we obey the gospel message and you become a Christian after you're, when you're plunged under those waters of baptism, then you have the blessings that Jesus promises you. The promise of the forgiveness of sins, the promise of an eternal home with Him. We call that salvation. And we do and we believe by faith. In Romans chapter um, 10 there, right before this, there's a challenge. And the challenge is, um, for those that were not believing in Jesus and were questioning, you know, they had a question about this. Paul was saying, we don't have to go back up to heaven to pull Christ down. We don't have go, to go down into hell and pull him back up again. In other words, it's not by our effort that we stand before God justified. In order to, to stand before God justified, you just have to have faith that Jesus did what he said, and what he says his blood will do, it will do. And so there are some amazing things, I think, that come from just putting your faith into Jesus, into God. And in order to do that, we have to listen. We have to hear what that is, what that message is. The message of Jesus dying on the cross, it's a message that never gets old. It's a message that has the same effect that it did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that it will for the people, for the, my great, 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 great grandchildren, a hundred years from now, whatever Christ comes back, I don't know when, but that same message, the beauty of Jesus bearing all the shame and embarrassment of sin on the cross on his perfect shoulders is a message that never gets old because you and I need that cleansing blood. We need that cleansing flood. Uh, you know, Paul would say this, he would say that to the Jews that have rejected Jesus, this is part of the reason of writing Romans. He was saying, you guys have rejected this Jesus, but, but you do not need to try to redo what God has already done through Jesus Christ. And many people have tried. There have been people that have come that have said they are Christ. There are people that have been coming and saying they know the way of salvation. There's people that have tried to tell you when the end of time is going to come. All we know is that the event that happened before, what Jesus did, is the same, has the same effect then that it does now. And we don't need other people to come and try to add to that as though there was a different way, as though there was a different map to follow. Y'all with me? That's some very important stuff. We just need that faith is believing that Jesus did what he did, and what he said it would, the blood would do, it would do. And when you hear that message, when you have that beautiful message, it should prick our hearts just as it did in Acts 2. Remember in Acts 2.37, right? When they were pricked in the heart, they looked at Peter and said, What shall we do? And in Acts 2.38, Peter said what? Repent and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the indwelling Spirit that marks you as God's. And this promise is what? It's for you... It's for all who are far off. It's for all whom the Lord our God will call. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw what? All men unto me. So where's this message going? It's going to everybody. Psalm 19, his voice has gone out to all the earth. This message is for anyone who will hear it and obey. And they'll have the same blessing that anyone that's gone before us and anyone that comes after us will have 
just as we can possess it now, today. Let it prick your heart. He bore that death so that we wouldn't have to live the shame and embarrassment because we know we can't die for our sins. There's no way we're going to argue with God. It's not going to work that way. But there's a free gift that's available to all. It, it, you know, one of the things I've noticed as I get older, um, it's much easier. When I was younger, I was very kind of shy and embarrassed to receive gifts because I, I didn't know how much to what I could give back, right? Because we tend to think right in terms of equality. But here's a gift that there's no way any of us could ever repay. But it's given freely for all who will receive it. That's amazing to think about. Let it prick your heart. And I think one of the things Satan has done to put maybe a little to put a little spin on this to, to help us think about it is there are people that live as though God will not save them. And they'll say it. They'll say something like, Well, it's too late for me, or I'm too far gone, or or you know, that stuff's I'll deal with that stuff later. You know, I've had people tell me I'll deal with this when I'm older. You know, he who plans to do something in the 11th hour dies in the 10th. So we, there's no waiting on this. We should do it now. But the real key that I want to leave you with is this, that everyone, everyone can be saved. The possibility exists. Jesus didn't just die for people that look nice on the outside. He died for everybody. He didn't look for people that just look like they're good people. Everybody has sinned and falls short of God's glory. He didn't die for people that we thought were, you know, successful in our eyes. He died for everybody. Whether you're wealthy, poor, doesn't matter. There's no race, creed. There's nothing, there's nothing that Jesus would say would, would be the barrier except you just don't believe. You just don't want to. It's free to all. It's a message made for all people everywhere for all time. He is the way to eternal life. And there's a pathway mapped out in Scripture that people can follow. So my question to you is, do you believe it? Terry Davis used to say, if you believe it, we'll sing it again. You might remember, um, this is an old preacher's story, so you, you feel free if you've heard this before. To, uh, but there was a, a man, that this is back in the hanging days. So there was a man that committed a crime, so this criminal was sentenced to be hung. And so uh, the sheriff called the preacher in and he said, you better go talk to this guy, make sure he's right with the Lord before he goes and pays for his crimes. So the preacher goes into the jail and he sits down with the guy and talks to him and says, you understand what's going on, right? Yes, I understand. You realize what's about to happen? Yes, I realize what's about to happen. All right, do you believe that Jesus can save you from your sins? Do you, and he starts to tell him the story of the gospel message. And the, the, he says, and so the preacher finishes, and he says, Do you understand what I just taught? And he says, Yes, sir, I understand it. And then he looks at the preacher, the criminal looks at this preacher, and he immediately says, Do you believe this stuff? And the preacher goes, Well, yes, yes, actually I do. And the criminal said, I don't. <clears throat> but if I did believe this, I would crawl on my hands and knees across town to tell somebody about it. That's how important this message is. Brethren, if you know that the map and you and you go to your GPS, maybe you've seen your, your grandkids do this or a friend do this, 
and they punch that in, and they hit, what, what's the button they hit when they're ready to, to take off on their trip? They punch that button, go. Christians are commanded to go and tell this gospel story to others. It's a message that never grows old. When you hear the word and believe in the teachings of Jesus and you repent of your sins to turn away from that lifestyle of sin, self, and society towards the living God, and you confess Christ as Lord and are buried in that watery grave of baptism, then you have that effect of Jesus' blood to wash you clean. It's a beautiful, beautiful message for all, and the map is in Scripture. And if you want to study about it, I'll study with you anytime. Please feel free to call. Or if you want to be baptized, the water's ready. Or if we need to stay here and do it, I'm sure there's a way. But please, don't hesitate. Make sure you're right with the Lord. So you're on the right map, headed in the right direction. So you can see him someday when he calls you home. So that's the lesson for today.